0: Welcome back to season two of The Imposter Syndrome Files. My name is Kim Menninger, and I am so grateful that you're joining us. When I started this podcast last year, my primary goal was to normalize the experience of imposter syndrome, to make it easier for us to talk about and to access the support that we deserve. I am so grateful to everyone who has shared their stories with me, and I'm fascinated by the linkages between imposter syndrome and so many other facets of our lives. The conversations that we had last season led us in so many powerful directions. I'm excited to continue these conversations in season two. As always, if you have a story to share, please reach out to me. I would love to interview you. And if I can ever support you on your own imposter syndrome journey, I'd love to connect on that too. Thanks again for being here. Welcome, Stacy. I am really excited to be having this conversation this morning, and I'd love to start by just inviting you to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit more about you.
1: Well, great. I love to talk about me. Uh, <laughs> uh, I have been an entrepreneur for, oh my goodness, 33 years, um, so I must have started when I'm 12, I'm sure, Um <laughs> But I I come from a marketing and live event background. And I've had a couple of very successful multi-million dollar agencies um, over that 30-year period. And it uh, was one of those experiences where I got a lot of awards and I got a lot of, you know, outside validation, if you will, for what I was doing in those businesses. I was named top entrepreneur in Atlanta, or well, top 50 entrepreneurs in Atlanta under 50. Uh, at one point, uh, our agencies were named uh, top 100 it agencies in the United States twice. You know, I mean, it looks really good, right? Um, and behind the scenes, uh, we had all kinds of fun um dysfunctions. You know, I married and divorced one of my business partners. I don't necessarily recommend doing both. I would pick one. And I I have had health issues as a result of the pace that I kept. And so I have recently reinvented myself as a speaker and an author. And it's very interesting because a lot of what I did and experienced during those agency years and also starting over at age 50 is something that uh, really has brought up the imposter syndrome. So I'm excited to talk with you.
0: I'm excited that you're here. And you have already shared a little bit about how imposter syndrome has shown up for you in just the external validation piece, right? No matter what people say about you in the outside world, it doesn't always connect with us. We don't always internalize that. Can you say more about your own experience with imposter syndrome? Uh, it has
1: haunted me my whole life. I, I think that uh, I probably can't remember the first time that it showed up. But for me, it shows up with an internal dialogue that sounds something like this. I am not blank enough. Hmm. I am not smart enough. I am not well known enough. I am not skilled enough. I am not something, uh, credentialed enough, whatever. Uh, I'm not something enough uh, to whatever it is that I'm feeling called to do. And uh, the internal call is what uh, moves me forward. But the Imposter syndrome is what is the fear that holds me back. And um, I I had that experience when I was, I think, 14 years old. I just got to talk to a class of 14 year olds and share this experience. And it was amazing to me. I'll give you a little teaser. What I shared with them almost to a kid, (laughs) a teen, they (laughs) responded with, oh, it's not just me. Hmm. And I won uh, external validation. I won the Young Authors Award at age 14 in Louisville, Kentucky. And my prize was $50. So I knew that I could make money as a writer. My prize was $50. And then I got to work with a uh, professor at the University of Louisville in my hometown English professor. So I'm 14 and I'm working with an English professor at the university and she treats me uh, very respectfully as if I were, you know, a 22 year old. And in doing that, she gave me constructive criticism of my writing, except writing is very personal Mm -hmm. and creative. You know, I, I, I really resonated with, um, Amanda Gorman, uh, reciting the poem at age 22 in front of the nation, you know, but it's very personal. And so I took her constructive criticism personally. Mm. And that shut me down. Now, it was my choice, it was my belief that shut me down. It wasn't her, but I shut down for more than two decades. I had thought of myself as a writer and I stopped thinking of myself as a writer. I'm back but that was a big deal for me. And then when I started my first agency in 1997, you know, you couldn't Google anything because there was no Google in 1997. Uh, So I'm starting a business for the first time. I have no experience or track record running a business, although I had track record doing what I did for a living, which was at the time graphic design and creative direction. So I could do that, but I had no idea how to Grow and and you know expand my staff or manage people or anything like that. a sell market myself as a business. I could help other people with marketing, but marketing yourself is different. Oh my goodness! I I I didn't think I could do it, and so it it took me probably it's probably about 5 to 7 years in that business before I actually had a sense of confidence that I might have an inkling what I was doing.
0: So you believed you didn't know what you were doing, but you were doing it the whole time, right? What was what was happening during those 5 to 7 years that allowed you to eventually build that confidence? What 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 were you doing to manage that voice so that it didn't keep you from moving forward with the business?
1: um it's really interesting because um, i think in many regards it did still hold me back Mm -hmm. all right what i what kept me moving forward was a sense of i've gone this far out into the (laughs) into the deep waters (laughs) that i have to keep swimming all right so so i had put myself far enough out there that there was no going back that's one Two, and I'm not sure that this was a good thing or a bad thing. It was just a thing. I brought on uh, team members uh, who worked for me who I did not feel threatened by. In other words, I knew more than they did. And that actually, I think, inhibited the growth because I wasn't willing to hire someone who was more experienced than me because then I might be threatened But what I did do was bring in business partners into the agency who were more experienced than me. And there was a lot of struggle, possibly driven by my um, lack of confidence uh, and a feeling like I was being railroaded in some cases or overridden in other cases, that uh, created a conflict between the partners. So so I was moving forward because I felt I had no choice. Mm. You always have a choice, but I didn't feel like I had a choice. But I also was surrounding myself with, okay, I'll put it this way, surrounding myself with people who were teaching me what not to do. Mm. And so today, I don't feel a need to Uh, bring in people who are less experienced than me. I I bring in resources that are uh, able to do things that perhaps are not where my time is best spent. That's a very different infrastructure. And I'm also not looking for a partner to do it for me. Mm.
0: And yeah, I'm curious if there was a turning point Mm -hmm. Or was this a natural evolution as you got more comfortable?
1: Well, I I educated myself. And that that is a big um, focus of my life is to continue learning and growing and evolving. Uh, I do know that very successful people uh can have some of the worst imposter syndrome possible. I think I think it develops at different levels as we go. And somebody might not have it at one level, but they do it the next level. Mm -hmm. And uh, I believe I had it in different aspects of my life. But when it came to business, which is where I personally, and I think most of us are the same way, where I personally derive the greatest part of my sense of self-worth is in my work. And Uh, along with relationships, but work is relationships too. And and so it's important to me to keep reinvesting in that because it's of greatest importance. And so I was reading a tremendous amount. I was attending a lot of courses. I was studying how to be more efficient. I was learning how to manage. We, We were doubling in growth and revenue every year for seven years in a row. We were doing something right, Mm -hmm. you know, but what we also had was a tiger by the tail because that kind of rapid growth can quickly outstrip your process. And so, you know, I was studying that and I became the expert within the organization about how to navigate that. And I also found myself becoming an expert and advising my clients on how to navigate that.
0: So that expertise... Mm-hmm. Like gave you a lot more confidence and perceived credibility to some extent, too. I think I, I'm.
1: Yeah, well, it's all about the internal perception, because, you know, I could be getting, you know, top 50 entrepreneurs in Atlanta and say, oh, it's just a fluke. Mm-hmm. I could totally do that to myself. Today, I, I acknowledge that I actually was a very successful entrepreneur at that time, even though I did not give myself credit for it. Yeah,
0: and, and that's the interesting thing. I think part of it is experience, right? It's just a, a, the ability to look back
1: mm-hmm. in
0: hindsight and see things through a different lens. But I also wonder, I want to I just ask you about this thing that you said early on of the I'm not blank enough. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and I want to tie that to what you were talking about of, of really studying and building expertise in this area.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Where's the line? Where's the line in your mind between truly not having enough experience and wanting to go out and access the resources that can help uh, educate you on the areas where you don't feel like you have enough information yet. And just the pressure, the inner critic, the, the, the whatever you call it, to always be comparing ourselves to somebody else who will inevitably know more than we do. And so we're just kind of engaging in this endless education resource collection process that isn't really buying us anything. Um, but the but the delusion <laughs> that, that we're getting smarter or more ed- educated along the way.
1: So where's the line between those two? Is yeah, we really right looking down. at? Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I think I perceive it not so much as a line. What I perceive it as is self-awareness and uh, a consciousness. It's where we begin to see the patterns of what we're doing and where it's working and where that's not working so great for me. And so what I have learned, and unfortunately, fortunately I have learned it more than once (laughs) until I really get it. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, But, but what has really hit home for me. And, and I, I talk about this in um, my book, Own Your Own Shift. You have to say that very carefully (laughs) is what we must know is what it is that we're being intuitively led to do because the intuition is that inner guide that is not negative. It is not, it's actually not emotional at all. It just knows this is next do this and learning to trust that is, and, and and be able to connect with it on demand was a lifelong process for me. I started, and, and I also talk about this in, in the book, I started my first agency after having worked five years with no vacation, no break, at work at seven till seven. So 12 hours at work, lunch at my desk, You know, talk about imposter syndrome driving you forward, Mm. took a vacation for the first time and went to Sedona, all this wonderful, you know, energetic, gorgeous landscape, sat on top of one of the energy vortexes, which whether you believe that stuff or not. It's got the best day view you could imagine (laughs) and sat there and meditated. And I got what I call a download where the voice of intuition is very clear and almost feels like someone articulating the words in our mind. And I have no doubt that probably like the references to, you know, biblical, uh, you know, prophets or whatever that, that was their experience too. They just didn't have words for it, but it, it said, it's time to go out on your own that's what I heard. Mm. And I, and there was no questioning it. It was like, okay, then I guess I'll be going out on my own. And in 30 days I had started my first business and had two enormous clients on my roster without burning any bridges, mm. you know? And, and so when I trust that and I follow it, the way is made clear. And I don't need to worry if, if the intuition says, Go become a minister, which I did that too. I'm not quite sure why, right? It wasn't like to get somebody's (laughs) approval. (laughs) It was just something that was a good thing for me to do for my own self-improvement, my own personal growth, right? Does that make sense?
0: It makes perfect sense. And I'm curious about, because I love this piece about intuition. And I feel like there's so much untapped power there, and it's the if we attach a voice to it, right? The voice of intuition is so drowned out by the voice of fear. Mm-hmm. I'm curious how you, and and maybe this isn't the way you would characterize it, but I'm I'm curious how do you raise the volume on the intuition mm-hmm. piece?
1: There are so many ways. <laughs> <laughs> there there actually are a number of ways, and you can you can combine them, you can layer them. You can just explore which one resonates with you. Um, And and I will say this, and and I list them in the book, I list the different ways. There's also uh, equally uh, long lists of ways to inhibit it. And so you have to make sure you're not inhibiting at the same time that you're activating. Mm -hmm. But one of the ways is simply to meditate. Uh, Only 10% of the population actually meditates because we're so you know perfectionistic, maybe we feel like imposters when it comes to meditation, right? <laughs> but but just to still the mind. And I do guided meditations. I have one in the book where you actually go t- and have a conversation with your higher self and you record it in your own voice so that you're following that voice of yourself into your meditation. It's really powerful. That's the one I get the most feedback on of the exercises. Another is to... Um, plant the seed when you're going to sleep. I will remember my dreams. Some people don't think they dream. We do all dream. And when you plant that seed, and then when you wake up, the first thing in your mind is, what was I just dreaming? Um, I've been able to remember, you know, as many as 30, 40 dreams. I would be writing all day long if, mm-hmm. I, if I wrote them down. But that opens the synapses between our unconscious and our conscious mind when we remember our dreams and we write them down. You can interpret them if you want to, that happens to be a favorite thing of mine to do. But more importantly is to remember them. Mm -hmm. And then you start getting the intuitive pops through the day because you've got that that door is open, right? You got a little crack open there. Um, And then, of course, I always love looking for symbols and signs. I mean, they're the symbols and signs that are archetypical in our culture. They mean something to each of us individually or they mean something to us culturally or both. And so, you know, people will talk about number patterns and, uh, you know, when when a particular animal crosses your path or, you know, just all these things, whether you believe in them or not. What's important to me is the symbology of them, Mm. the cultural symbology of them, because we see what we're open to seeing. It's that confirmation bias. And so, you know, I don't get into the weeds about whether it's accurate or not accurate, you know, whether we're doing astrology readings or not doing astrology readings. The important thing is, what did you see and what did it mean to you?
0: Yes, yes. I like that a lot. And, and I think the, the, the meditation piece, and I am the perfectionist you described who thinks I can't meditate because I can't do it. Right. 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 (laughs) But I, I do think that the, there, I notice a difference when I am not thinking or forcing thought, you know, just when my mind is less cluttered, right. That I'm much more likely to be able to access some of the kinds of messaging that you're, you're talking about. and, and is there, is meditation the best way to do that? Are there other things that you would say, how do how do I quiet all the other stuff so I can notice myself? So I can I can be out there paying better attention to what I need to be hearing right now.
1: Well, I think uh, what happens when you start practicing these various ways uh, of, of connecting and recognizing and inviting in or inviting out would be more like it. The voice of intuition um, is you, you almost create a distance, a space between yourself and the inner critic, I call it the, the negative, the negativity. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a nerd when it comes to, uh, neuroscience and when we, you know, look at and self-report and there's been a, a huge amount of studies about it, over 80% of our thoughts are repetitive and negative. Mm, that's really And, I believe as, as a minister, I believe that every thought is a prayer and you have to be very careful what you're praying for. And so it's not that you're going to necessarily create it, but when it becomes a pattern, you do start back to confirmation bias. You do start attracting to you the things that are affirming your negativity rather than affirming your positivity. And so, so I just practice. And one of the great ways to practice, it's fun, is where's the empty parking spot? Which way should I go to work today? You know, when we start driving to work again? (laughs) Uh, You know, which grocery line should I get in? And then just observe. Observe where you feel pulled, where the energy is, observe what happens in the grocery line. Because a lot of people think, well, I'm going to get in the grocery line that's the fastest. Well, maybe, maybe not. Maybe you're going to get in the grocery line where you have a conversation with somebody. Maybe you're going to get in the grocery line and you're going to see a magazine headline that helps you out with something that you're dealing with right now. You don't know why your intuition pushes you in a particular direction, but be open, right? And then what happens is then I'll hear the negative voice right? Oh, well, that's, that grocery line's not fast enough, right? And then I can go, oh, well, let's see. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah, that's right. What's the worst that could happen? And And then remain open. So instead of trying to push away the negativity, trying to stuff the negativity, trying to disown the negativity, I can witness the negativity and say, well, okay, I heard you. Now let's go try this other thing.
0: Ah, oh, I love that. It's so practical and so there's so many opportunities throughout the day.
1: Mm-hmm. Try that yeah, try that mm-hmm. you know, and I'll watch myself. I mean i <laughs> I was I, you know I, I I had imposter syndrome about talking about imposter syndrome, like <laughs> what do I have to to share because i I still experience it, certainly every time I get on stage and speak to an audience, I always have uh, a level of doubt. Will I connect with them? Will I have uh, an impact? Will, will they really like me, really, really like me? You know, whatever, right? And it never fails. If I can step into that presentation from a place of giving rather than getting, from a place of being heart-centric, of, I, I advise other speakers, love your audience. No matter what, love them. It comes back in spades. And to me, that's the best way to break through in any kind of imposter syndrome is to focus less on what I'm going to get And more on what I can give. And it's always an energetic exchange. I don't have to give money. I don't have to, you know, give time I don't have set aside. I can just give my attention and my heart. That resonates with me so
0: much too, because I always think about it from the lens of being of service to the people around us. And I think when you are outwardly focused on how can I give, how can I be of service, how can I show up from this heart-centric place there isn't as much space in your brain to be worried. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You know, and so it has that effect of quieting those voices and it becomes self-perpetuating in in many ways. I absolutely love that. Um, Is there anything else that you would say that you actively do or that you actively think about in moments of self-doubt? And I'm glad that you shared that it's still True for you because I don't think sure. it's something that goes away, right? I do think it's something we manage. We become more self-aware. We we become stronger, but it
1: doesn't go away. Is that- right, right. Oh, I mean, my goodness, yeah, lots of things. It kind of depends on how it shows up. Um, if if my imposter syndrome is triggered by something that someone else said, um, I, I I've kind of practiced, I guess, um, the the idea that. I assume the goodwill of others, and I also realize that anything that they may have said that triggered something in me is not personal. It's not. There's no personal attack there. Just like with the professor, there was no personal attack on me. I chose to take it personally, <laughs> and I get a chance to say what part of me still needs to heal here. Because imposter syndrome to me is is a wonderful. Um, road sign that says, "Hey, pay attention! You need to heal right here. This mm-hmm. needs healing." And so, so I don't necessarily try to heal it right in the moment, but you know, I might do some some meditation and journaling and that sort of work when when I'm aware that that's come up. And it, it, sometimes it's just an email or I've spent oh dear too much time on social media. Which is still part of my work, so I have to, but you know, I just step away. Just step away. Put some distance between myself and the trigger, because there are always triggers.
0: You're absolutely right. Um uh, I've loved this conversation. You have brought such great insight and such practicality to a to a conversation <laughs> that's hard to wrap your arms around. <laughs>
1: yes, <laughs> true. <laughs> so true.
0: Yeah, I really, really appreciate it. And and you know, I just want to wrap up with what motivated you to want to be here today? What are, What are you hoping that people will take away from this message?
1: Well, I think where I am in my work right now, uh, you know, I've moved away from having an agency and to being a leadership and executive coach um, where I'm really working with others who are on the same path and the same journey that I've been on. And so my focus is about taking the life lessons that I've learned, the good ones, the bad ones, the ugly ones, all of that. And really being able to give back because I I think that it cannot be overstated, the connection that we all have to one another. And whatever I've gone through, how uncomfortable, how vulnerable it may feel, it's an opportunity to share that with someone else who may be right where I am, just like talking to those, wonderful 14-year-olds uh, last week just really touched my heart because I wished that I had had that kind of conversation. I wasn't self-aware enough at 14 that I had been able to have that kind of conversation with an adult who had been where I was. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what's important to me is to be able to have those con- real, vulnerable, authentic conversations with one another about where we've been and how we got through it.
0: Well, I am so grateful that we were able to do that today. Oh, yay! I really, really appreciate this conversation and appreciate everything that you shared. And
1: mm-hmm. just Thank you. Blessing. A very big blessing. Thanks.
0: Thanks again for listening today. If you're struggling with imposter syndrome and you'd like additional support, check out the show notes for more resources or contact me directly. I would love to help you. And if you'd like to tell your story, I would love to interview you. You will find my contact info in the show notes. So reach out anytime. Thanks again.